When you're determining if an employee should be paid hourly or salaried, there's a few considerations you have to make. And it's actually a a lot more critical that you learn this than you may think, because it can have some serious implications for your business in terms of if you are found to be out of compliance with this, it can cost your business a lot of money. Welcome to Hiring School, a weekly podcast about recruiting for non-recruiters. I'm Jackie Koch, and I have over 15 years of experience prospecting talent and building teams for Fortune 500 companies, startups, and small businesses in all different types of industries. I'm the founder and CEO of People Principles, where I help founders scale and lead their teams with programs, courses, and boutique agency services. My goal is to simplify the hiring and team building process so that you, founders, and not so solopreneurs, can implement modern, effective, and efficient hiring strategies that help you build the team that you want to help you scale. If you can't seem to find the right job candidates or simply don't know where to start, you're in the right place. Now let's get started. Welcome to Hiring School. Today's episode, we are going to talk all about the differences between paying someone a salary and paying someone an hourly pay rate. And so when you're determining if an employee should be paid hourly or salaried, there's a few considerations you have to make. And it's actually a a lot more critical that you learn this than you may think, because it can have some serious implications for your business in terms of if you are found to be out of compliance with this, it can cost your business a lot of money. So it's super important that you know this stuff when you are deciding how to pay someone who joins your business as a full-time W-2 employee. So the first thing that we need to dive into are some key terms that I think you should know as it relates to this topic. So being paid hourly, typically, and I say typically in italics, means that the employee is considered a non-exempt employee. So what this means is that the employee is eligible for overtime pay and any state or local mandatory rest and meal breaks. They're paid for the hours they actually work during the pay period. And every state and even some cities and local laws have overtime laws. So for example, most state. Well, federally, overtime is considered anything worked over 40 hours in the week right? So you could work 12 hours on Monday and that's not overtime until you hit 40 hours for the week. And then anything over 40 is considered overtime. Other states such as California, for example, if you work anything over eight hours in one day is considered overtime. And then on top of that, anything over 40 for the week is also considered overtime. And then they also have a law that If you work seven days in a row, the seventh day is double time pay, right? So as an hourly employee, those rules apply to you. When you're salaried, it doesn't. You really don't get paid overtime. You can work as many hours as is needed within the pay period and you get paid the same. Another thing that comes into play are the rest and meal periods, which I kind of glossed over. But as a non-exempt employee... In many states, you qualify for mandatory meal and rest breaks, and you have to know this when you have employees. So in the state of California, for example, if you're an hourly employee, you have to take a 30-minute break within the first five hours of your shift. 
and you do get two 10 minute breaks and you have to make sure your employees are taking them because if they file a lawsuit, I can promise you, I have had to deal with this saying they weren't given their proper meal periods. It is a nightmare and very costly. So when you have non-exempt employees, they're eligible for overtime pay and any mandated or required meal and rest breaks. And they're paid for the hours they actually work in the pay period. Being paid a salary typically means that the employee is considered an exempt employee. So basically, they're paid the same amount each pay period, regardless of the hours that they work during that pay period. And so determining whether an employee is an exempt or a non-exempt employee, it really is more than just like how they're paid. And so often we simplify it down to just those things and it's not, it's so much more. You can't just decide you're going to pay somebody a salary. They have to qualify for what's called an exemption, like to be an exempt role. And that is based on the job duties, the scope of responsibility they will have. You have to be able to prove it. And some states are harder than others, but this is a list of all the federal exemptions. So there's a few different ways you can qualify someone for an exempt level role. I'm not going to go through all of them. Well, I will go through all of them, but I'm not going to go into details because usually the bulk of the people listening to this probably will only have somebody fall into one category. So the first category is an executive exemption. Basically, this it means that this employee's primary duty must be managing the business or managing a department or subdivision of the business. They're an exempt level employee. They must regularly direct the work of two or more full-time team members. And they must have the ability to fire, hire, make recommendations, hiring, firing, promotions, those types of things. So that qualifies somebody for an executive exemption. The second one, which is usually where the majority of exemptions fall that you have to prove is the administrative exemption. And so to qualify for that, the employee must, their primary duties must be managing a business. They must be managing a department. They have to have complete autonomy over how their work is done. They basically have the freedom to make decisions in their work And they really, like I said, they have a lot more autonomy and decision-making responsibilities is really what helps qualify a administrative exemption. They have to be doing non-manual work. So they must be doing non-manual work directly related to the business operations and have discretion and independent judgment, like I said. That is where the majority of the roles are going to fall, right? A marketing role, a administrative assistant role, an executive assistant, those all would fall under that exemption and the bulk of the, the jobs that you likely have. Another one is a professional exemption. And that's basically, you're a learned professional. So it's a role where the duties require advanced knowledge, something where It's like intellectual, requires an advanced degree, science or learning. For example, a engineer can fall in this exemption. Still must have the ability to exercise direction and judgment in their work. It's not just task-oriented work. 
And then there's other things that go into that, a creative one and stuff like that. There's also a computer employee. That is, one would argue, could be the same as engineering. It's actually a little bit more of a skilled worker. Engineers could fall into that. Also like hardware systems, engineers, that type of thing. Someone who's designing and documenting, testing computer systems. And then there's outside sales exemption. And so that's somebody who's doing work in a sales. They're obtaining work orders or contracts or services for that exemption. So like I said, the majority of the roles that you have are going to qualify as the admin exemption, but you just can't decide that somebody's paid salary. You really have to look at their job duties. And if you're giving them high direction, they have to be on a clock certain hours, they're doing shift work, they're probably a non-exempt employee. So that's the first thing, right? You have to figure out what the job duties and the scope of the job to make sure that you can prove that it qualifies as one of these exemptions. Because, you know, the law basically assumes everyone's an hourly employee unless you can prove that they qualify for one of these exemptions. And so that's the first piece. The second piece to it is there's minimum pay requirements. So federal and state and local governments determine minimum wages And I'm sure you know what a minimum wage is for an hourly minimum wage, right? But it's important that you know that there's also a minimum salary that you have to pay people and it changes per state. So it's super important that you look at what the local requirements are based on where your employee performs their work. So if your business is located in Arizona, but you hire somebody in Texas, you need to understand what the Texas laws are and the Texas minimum wage requirements and the salary exemption requirements are because that is what you're going to be held responsible for. So there's a list of them. If you just look at the U.S. Department of Labor, you can see all of, uh, or if you just Google the state, right? Like state of Texas minimum wage requirements, you're going to find it's going to come up both for, well, for sure the hourly wage. Sometimes the the salary, you have to actually look at You have to Google, what have I found it? What typically works? State of Texas salary exemption requirements. We'll pull it up. So a lot of the states just require the federal government's requirements, which as of the time of this podcast recording is you have to pay somebody at least $35,568 to consider them a salaried employee. However, many states have a higher requirement than that. For example, California, if you have less than 25 employees, and that's anywhere, not just in the state of California, it's across the whole country, you have to pay a minimum salary of $58,240. So that means if you have an employee that you want to pay a salary in California, you have to pay them at least that. You cannot pay them under that. If you do, they're considered a non-exempt employee and they're eligible for overtime. Employees with 26 or more employees in the state of California, that jumps up to 62,400. So you need to be aware of what these state and local laws are because they're different. And even some cities are different. Like San Francisco is different. New York has a minimum salary requirement. So does, I believe, Colorado, Chicago. So there's a lot of different cities that are coming out with these as well. And so this world of working remotely seems all fine and great until you realize you got to follow the law and where the employee lives. 
And so make sure that you're looking that up. So that's the first thing that you want to do when you're deciding how to pay somebody, right? Is you need to figure out the scope of the job and if it qualifies for an exempt level role. If it doesn't, then you pay them hourly. You have to make sure that they're clocking in and out or sending you their times, that they're getting paid overtime appropriately. And it's a little bit more manual to have people track their hours, but it definitely is required. And also make sure that you check the local state laws around what the minimum wage requirements are, both for an hourly rate and a salaried rate. I actually don't even know what the minimum wage is for hourly. I should know that, but I don't know that offhand. I know California's is going up because I just moved from there and was managing HR there, but I don't know about the federal one. So make sure you're aware of that and just double check these things before you're hiring folks. There's a lot of stuff that you got to know and got to look up, but all it takes is a quick Google search. Honestly, you can find anything that you need but you don't know what you don't know. So now hopefully you've learned a little golden nugget about some of these rules and what it means when somebody says that it's an exempt employee, a non-exempt employee. There are times when non-exempt employees also are paid a salary and then they track hours and get paid overtime on top of that. For sake of this podcast, I'm not going to get into the weeds of that, but that is something that you can also do. So just know it exists. So thanks for tuning in. Hopefully you learned a little nugget here and there about this topic on paying salary versus hourly. It's a kind of dry, boring topic, but so important. And so I'm going to throw some of these compliance episodes in because I do think it's so critical that you know this stuff and knowledge is power. So thanks for tuning into the Hiring School podcast. Please make sure that you follow us on Apple Podcasts. I would be so grateful if you please would rate and review. And you can follow my business on Instagram and TikTok, People Principles, P-E-O-P-L-E-P-R-I-N-C-I-P-L-E-S on Instagram and TikTok where we give you tips and tricks on these types of things. So you can learn them all the time if you'd like. So follow us there. Thanks again for tuning in and we will see you next week.